Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon here with Ryan Roberts. We're wrapping up our comparison shows for the tight end group. If you missed the Michael Mayer, Eric Gilbert episode or the Cam Lottu episode, uh, along with Austin Stogner. Go check those out. But today we are doing Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina, and Jalil Billingsley, the previously departed or recently departed Alabama tight end, now a part of the Texas Longhorns. Two slot guys, as you just described them to me, Ryan. This is an interesting episode because these are two very, very odd builds for the tight end position, and they have Super unique roles for for their teams, and I think Jaleel's role when he goes to Texas to play under Steve Sarkeesian, his former offensive coordinator, is going to be pretty unique as well. Yeah, no, I mean they're very unique players. Joe, do you have some nice uh, some bell puns ready for Jaheim, or like ring the bell, or no, I am not. (laughs) I'm I'm not a hack like you. I'm I'm not a hack, dude. You you try to you 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 do the dad jokes too much. I'm sure there's going to be a couple. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, Joe, it's it's a changing time, though, man. It's a changing time just from the NFL perspective. These big slots can be a thing now, right? Like, I, I feel like 10, 15 years ago, these guys would have been dismissed. And it's like either you're an X receiver or you you can't play, right? But now you have seen the David Njoku brand of player become a little more prevalent in the NFL, where even though Njoku is not a great example because he's actually turned into a decent blocker for the Cleveland Browns, but that big slot mismatch dictated bigger player who's not technically a tight end, but you have to put him somewhere. Like they're definitely yeah. they're definitely more tight ends than traditional wide receivers, right? But they have profiles that fit into both sort of but not a perfect fit so they're a little bit positionless but we're going to phrase them as tight ends because i think they both have qualities where big slot h back type of things like they're never going to be in line tight ends on a full-time capacity even though billingsley was used that a little bit at, at alabama which he shouldn't have been i agree and i think that's what you got when you got Latu was the fact that like that's your inline guy let's use him more outside but Good points that you made that I wanted to harp, harp on a little bit. When Jalil looked like he could be a big player in last year's class, the 2022 cycle, going into his junior year, his his big you know impact later in the season during that 2021 season or 20, 2020 season, 2020, sorry. Yeah, 2020. yeah, 2020 season was under Steve Sarkeesian. So you have to feel good that the volume and the impact is going to take a step up because obviously he was a little bit in Nick Saban's doghouse last year. Right. Well, we'll talk about that when we intro and lead in with with Billingsley. But I, I think the best way 
or the best player to describe this this role for is is what Evan Ingram was in his first year with the Giants. That was when he was used correctly. They were playing him in the slot. He wasn't in line that often because as a rookie, they knew he, he, he couldn't really block. And as soon as they transitioned multiple offensive coordinators, Pat Shermer didn't know how to use him. And then Jason Garrett definitely didn't know how to use him. And that's perfect proof of old-fashioned approaches to running an offense typically do not work well with these guys. And the same thing happened with Julio Billingsley this past year and why Cam Latu stepped up more because he has a little bit more of those traditional traits where he can block uh, and he can provide impact more as a possession guy. Billingsley, on the other hand, should not have been playing in line. And again, we're going to talk about that. But it, I think Evan Ingram is a good example of what he was originally and what these guys could be with a progressive offensive coordinator calling the plays for them in the NFL. I think one thing that we need to be understanding of is the fact that these types of players are becoming more prevalent in the NFL, but they still need to be, they still need to have a marriage to an offensive coordinator that is creative, right? Like yes. you can't go into an old, archaic looking offense and expect these guys to have instant impact because it's just not the way that it's going to happen, right? You need to see Arthur Smith evolve with using a Kyle Pitts because he's a he's not he's an un, an untraditional is it un, untraditional and not traditional I don't know whatever un, untraditional untra sure untraditional let's go with untraditional he's an uh, he's not a tra not a traditional tight end in the sense so he's playing some X he's playing in the slot both these guys have some of those similar capabilities obviously I'm not comparing either to Kyle Pitts but the point is is that they need to fall into an offensive system with a creative approach that understands that these guys aren't going to be traditional, but they st can still be impactful. Before we get to that discussion, though, folks, I just want to tell you about today's sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ryan, Julio Billingsley was really exciting and fun for me to watch because I, I saw a guy who is a very fluid athlete, not built like a traditional tight end. I, I think no. if you, at the very least, you could encourage him to put a little bit more weight on. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that this is a guy who could potentially run in the, in the high four, fours, four, five, somewhere in that range because of, you think that's a little bit too much too too generous. I would say four fives somewhere in that ballpark Four fours very fast, but four five seems about right to me somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah, really, really good athlete, though, which fits mm -hmm. that slot role because he can get upfield in a hurry. He can move in space really, really well. And I think he navigates space well when he's running his routes, which makes him a really nice asset to your offense. And I said this earlier, he has absolutely no interest in blocking, though. It, putting him and asking him to play in line, he is just not a good blocker. I mean, he's kind of a little bit soft when he blocks, too. I don't really get a whole lot from him as a blocker, which is why it was frustrating to trying to watch him being used in this Alabama offense. Bill O'Brien was asking him to play as a traditional tight end. And I think going back to Steve Sarkeesian, who's going to be running more of a spread scheme at Texas with Quinn Ewers as the starting quarterback, I wouldn't be shocked if Julio Billingsley has a huge year this upcoming season if he's used and pushed to play more in space. Yeah, it's 
The blocking thing, I mean, going back to 2020 a little bit, I thought there was an okay amount of effort. I mean, it's just one of those things. I mean, the kid's listed at 6'4", 216, right? Like, let's be let's be frank about something. He's probably about 6'3 and a half, and he needs to get up about 225, 230, and I think he'd mm-hmm. be fine in the role that he wants to play. But I think he has decent aiming points in the run game. I think he's a solid positional player, but he just doesn't have a power profile. Like, he's a skinny right. lower half. He's never going to be an inline guy. But I think on the second, third level as a blocker in space, I think he can do stuff like that, which is why I think the big slot role, H-back role can work for him. But, I mean, my biggest selling point to him, Joe, because I agree, he's a good straight-line athlete, he's athletic, but, man, he is incredibly quick for a guy that's playing slot, right? Like, this kid can legitimately run routes. He's kind of got that smooth profile to him, and he's got really good hands, like really, really good hands. I didn't see a drop on film, so – I like a lot of what Jaleel Billingsley can be. I think he's a mismatch weapon waiting to happen. Fluid, fluid tight mover for the tight end, big slot position, whatever you want to phrase him as. Yeah, that's what makes him so dangerous is what he does as a route runner, finding that space and then operating in that space. It, it Again, I, I have to keep harping on this. It was so freaking frustrating watching him not being on the field as often as I thought he really could have been. And it's a tough situation because we just talked so highly of Cam Latu and how great he is. But the things that they were they were having him do, just I, I don't think it was an effective use for him. Uh, he's better, as we've said here, playing in the slot and and allowing him to stretch the field with, with very rare speed for a tight end. And instead, you're running a little bit more of a pro-style offense last year for Alabama, and it just did not look right for him. Yeah, and he's, I mean, just to illustrate what type of athlete he is for a second, though, because I agree the usage needs to be better, especially when he's at Texas. He's such a good athlete. They would put him back at kick returner sometimes, you know, and and I think it's nuts, man, for a tight end to or a guy that's phrased as a tight end to be a kick returner as well. It's it's very natural, especially when you're 6'3 plus and 220 pounds. Like you're a bigger guy and you're returning kicks just in general. So I, again, if he's used correctly, I think there's a lot of selling points. The one thing that you knew, you talked about briefly that we do need to discuss, just you know, not not a ton of time on, but Jaleel Billingsley did get in the doghouse last year for Nick Saban. That's why the usage was down so much. So whether that's just a maturity thing, which I think it's kind of been phrased as, I mean, guys obviously can become more mature. He got to remember he's only a true junior last year, so he's coming into his senior year now, going with Steve Sarkeesian, who he's comfortable with in that offense. I expect. Big numbers, man. We've talked to – there's a lot of receivers in that Texas offense. There's not a ton of footballs to go around. But I think he's going to be impactful for the opportunities he gets. And I think he's going to make a big rise because he was a player that people liked a lot, including myself, going into last cycle. Went to the doghouse, didn't get the opportunities. I think he could have a big rise because I think some people have just kind of forgotten about him a little bit. And this is purely speculation because I, I don't believe there is a full story on – what caused him to be in the doghouse. We know that it was a disagreement between him and the coaching staff, but we don't know the full extent of it. And and him just not being as attentive and and consistent as he needed to be off the field, whatever it might have necessarily been. But I would not be shocked if it was a behavioral measure because he was upset for having an already diminished role at the beginning of the season. Like He was good enough to be getting a lot of touches and to be a featured player in this offense, and then you bring over Cam Latu, who transitions positions, and he's getting an increased role. And I'm sure they had to do that because Bill O'Brien was the offensive coordinator, and he's going to run a pro-style scheme, and he needs a tight end 
like Cam Latu. Billingsley is the type of a player, a talented, talented player that I could see him being frustrated by the fact that he's not getting as many looks. And, you know, maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's where this, this stems from, which is, again, slightly a maturity issue. But I have no reason to doubt that he can't be better at Texas where he should be the number one tight end and utilized more effectively. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that all the usage stuff definitely did not help the situation. It probably made it a lot worse. I I had heard, and again, this is speculation on my part, but I had yeah. heard that it was happening in fall practice before the season even began. He just right maybe some work ethic things. Like we'll we'll just leave it at that. So I I I think that as long as there's a reality check on a Jalil Billingsley, there's plenty of talent here, man. Like I again I think he could be a day two player when all is said and done if he has a big season because I think that you can see the upside and the mismatch potential because he's a kid that is going to be too long and tall for most safeties to cover and he's going to be a just absolute mismatch if you're trying to put a linebacker on him. Like there's just there's a lot of possibilities with Billingsley and I'm excited to see him in Texas. Now the other guy that we want to talk about here before we throw out some round projection for where these guys can go. Jaheim Bell from South Carolina is such an oddity <laughs> to evaluate because he really is not a traditional tight end. And we're talking about like the Evan Ingram types. Evan Ingram was at least close to six foot four. Jaheim Bell does not look six three on tape. He looks six two. He looks like a like a big fullback to an extent. And he was used all over the place in that South Carolina offense. Now they had Nick Mees last year. They bring in Austin Stogner, who we talked about already, who's probably going to play more of that Nick Muse role, but they were asking Jaheim Bell to do so many different things. I, I was watching the, the North Carolina game. They put him in the freaking backfield. They were handing the ball off to him. They were getting him end arounds. He has that type of speed, and man, he is fast enough to run up the middle of the field on a go route and beat safeties with that type of acceleration, with that type of long speed and the strength to power through yeah. some tacklers, it's just hard to project a guy like this because he, he's, he's not that big for a tight end. He's pretty small. He's he's got he's a scheme specific type player, right? Like I imagine him in a West Coast system similar to how Kyle Shanahan plays, where you're trying to get yak out of your secondary tight ends, right? Like, you know who he reminds me of a little bit, Joe. I'm not saying he's gonna be this guy, but just from a style perspective, Delaney Walker popped in my head a little bit, you know, because he was a smaller Tight. I mean, Delaney was only like six one and some change, man. Actually, when he got measured at pro day, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it was even like a hair under six two when he was at his pro day. But he's that same dude. He's not going to be for everyone, but as a detached slot type that has yak ability, that has good straight line speed, that's what Jaheim Bell is for me. So he's going to fit more into the. He's going to fit more into the Delaney Walker. Brevin Jordan style, right? Like you're going to try to get this ball in, in you're going to try to get the ball into this guy's hands and let him work some magic in the open field. So he's not going to be for everyone. He's going to be scheme specific, but for that role, I mean, I think, so you're going to need another tight end with him in his role, right? Like yes. you're going to need a guy that's a bigger guy and he's going to be the detached tight ends, big slot, whatever you want to call him. But there is physicality to him. He is very fast in a straight line. And he's got yak ability. So there's a departmentalized kind of feel to him in part of an offense. But I think that that I think that you can use him well in an offense. It's just about, again, you do not want him to go with an offensive coordinator who is not creative. You can't he can't be pigeonholed into being an inline tight end, can't be pigeonholed into being just this 
two-way tight end. This is a detached, athletic tight end who needs to be part of a good system, and that's what he is in my opinion. If he's on a team with a, a very non-creative offensive coordinator, he is going to be a personal protector on punt. That is all you're going to get from him. That is all he's going to be used to do because that's what the NFL loves to do with talented guys. <laughs> you know, you know what, you know what it is a little bit, man. And I feel like the NFL has been more open to this. But do you remember when Devin Funches came out of Michigan? Right, yeah. he was like tight end, part time, wide receiver, the other, and. You kind of just he was slow as hell, though. He was. No, no, I'm not saying that the perfect comparison. What I'm saying is in a creative offense, he should have been a move tight end, slot type. That should have been what he was, but he got pigeonholed into being this X receiver. And I'm just he's too slow to play X. Like it didn't make any sense. Right. And it it just isn't he doesn't have to just be that, right? That's where the creative part approach comes to, to comes to the field, right? Like he doesn't have to just be a wide receiver, doesn't have to just be a tight end. Line his kid up at wing, line him up in the slot. Line him in X and three by one sets. Like let Jaheim Bell do that type of work because he is physical and he is fast and he has a profile. I think I prefer Jaleel at his ceiling over Jaheim just briefly because I think that I think I could see Jaleel creating separation more consistently as a route runner and just in other ways. So it's a good comparison though. And I think that Jaheim, if he's again in a system that is going to dictate creating space and and having explosive plays off of yak. I think that Jaheim is going to be a good player in that role. Part of me wonders if he could play like a, a different variation of the, obviously this is not a one-on-one like, oh, he's definitely going to slot into this role. I wonder if he could play a variation of that wingback role that Debo played just in the sense of, you know, he's getting into rounds. He's lined up in the backfield. He's taking handoffs just moving him around in a in a very non-traditional way. I, I almost wonder if he's able to play that type of a role. Probably not going to – actually, definitely not going to have the type of production that Debo Samuel did. But sure. I think that he could be an asset of being a heavier version of that because, I mean, that's basically what an H-back is, is a heavier version of a wingback. Um, yep. But if you can move him around, give him some carries, like I think he's capable of doing it. He did it, he did it at South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some jets and some, you know, cross zone stuff where you're just getting the ball in his hands quickly. This this um, cycle for the couple of these tight ends, Joe, is going to be really interesting to see how teams value them because you have Jaheim Bell, who's listed six three two thirty. We obviously we we're we're not sold that he's is actually six three. You have a guy like Marshawn Ford from Louisville who's six two two forty, and then you have a guy like Brant Keith from Utah who's listed six two two twenty two. Like these are not traditional style tight ends. But our team's going to value the mismatch potential. And I think that that's the biggest question mark for me. But yeah, I think that Jaheim Bell, I mean, Jaheim Bell could even, in my opinion, because I think there's some upside to him as a blocker in certain instances, because he is a physical player, right? So if he's, I'm not saying inline tight end, but if he lands in San Francisco, could he assume the Kyle Juice check role, you know, for, yeah, for like a team? That- that's kind of what I was thinking. And it's so easy to like, oh, this guy's a little quirky and different. Let's put him on the 49ers. <laughs> right. Well, I know it really is, man. But I mean, so for people that don't remember, Juice Check was a tight end at Harvard, right? And he was drafted mm-hmm. to kind of be that West Coast style fullback. I think that's kind of more where I'm going is why don't the, a team that runs that system, the, the Miami Dolphins now, the New York Jets, a team that may be interested in a West Coast style fullback, why can't Jaheim Bell do that? Because if you watch... What Juice Check does, he's not just a traditional fullback. Like he lines up, 
you know, uh, at the wing at times. He lines up out wide. Like, Juszczyk does a lot of things for the San Francisco 49ers. I think Bell can do that. And if you're talking about now blocking from a fullback or an H-back position, I think Bell can get that done. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he's an attached player, but in a detached role as a blocker, I think Bell might have more upside than Billingsley just because he has a little more of a power profile to him. So if we were kind of – if we were to project where we would take these guys, if they have good seasons, I think Jaheim showed us more because he was utilized more in his offense. He got a lot more touches than Jaleel Billingsley did, obviously. So assuming Billingsley has a really strong season, he improves. He's properly given a role that plays to his strengths. Jaheim to me is, is more of a day three pick just because Mm -hmm. you can't fully invest. We just talked about it. He's a West Coast fullback. Like that's the best description of him. Not a lot of teams are going to be interested in him. That's going to push his value down for a lot of team sports. That's going to make him a day three pick. But I would argue that if Jaleel has a very nice season and he's going to test well based on what you see him do at the do on the field, he's going to show up to the combine and look really, really good. If Evan Ingram can go in the first round, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say Billingsley's good enough to be uh, early day two, somewhere on day two, if he has an improved season and gets a lot more looks. I think that Billingsley for me has a much more varied perspective of where he could go. I know you're talking about if he hits his absolute best yes, and I only agree. If he, only if he has yeah. a really good season, I would, I would pitch the early day two. If not, if he does the same thing, he's a mid to late day three pick. Yeah, I think he I can, I think he has a spot on day two if he is his at, at his absolute best and he hits his upside. If he doesn't and he's just kind of the same guy and maybe he's a little more of the 2020 version compared to the 2021 version as far as usage, then you're probably talking day three player, some like fifth, sixth round type of dude, just a gamble type. Jaheim Bell, I think his style is going to be more specific but I think that his chasm for his upside is not quite as wide, right? Like I think that this kid's a fourth to fifth round type of dude for a West coast specific team or from a team that just values kind of a gadget approach, I guess is what you would call it from the tight end position. And like he's going to be yeah, used in multiple ways. So not a lot of coaches are like that though is the problem. That's right, what I'm trying right. to get at there. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, my biggest point here is that I think the upside of Billingsley is higher than Jaheim Bell, but I think Jaheim Bell is more safe, I guess is the word. Like he's a little safer, I think, of a projection. Right. And that's kind of what I was saying is we've already seen what Jaheim Bell is capable of. And I think that he's much closer to his ceiling because he was used so often. And we actually, to our benefit, we got to see Jaheim Bell play all the roles that he can be used in the NFL. We don't have to sit here and think, oh, maybe if he was in the backfield, maybe if he came in motion and and took handoffs like that. They did that. They showed us perfectly what he can be in that role as a gadget player. But the thing that is making it a little bit more difficult to project Julio Billingsley and why it's also maybe a little more exciting to talk about that upside with Billingsley and why he has more of it is because he was just, again, so underutilized that 2020 year he was maybe a tertiary option maybe the fourth option because of all the receivers that were there with Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith and then the other side is this past year as we talked about this whole episode he gets pushed down because because of Cam Latu and they still also have John Mechie and Jamison Williams so knowing what he can do and not getting fully exposed to it is exciting to talk about with a guy like this 
You always for, you always forget about Slade Bolton, man. You always forget about him. Or Bolden. I keep calling him Bolden. Bolden. He did like my tweet. That made me very happy. Did I tried he? to get him to come on the pod. I DM'd him and he didn't respond. Uh, what a jerk. What a jerk. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure he's a nice fellow. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a to-be-determined, obviously, right? Like the, Both these guys, I think, have upside, but it's going to be about how creative can Texas can be. We've seen Sarkeesian be creative with Billingsley in the past, so you have hope for that. And then my biggest thing about Jaheim Bell is you had really nice flashes last year, but you have a new quarterback coming in and he's bringing his guy at tight ends, right? Like that is, I feel like they're, I feel like Beamer and that staff is going to be able to use both of them together. So I'm not as worried about like the usage part of it, but Rattler definitely does favor Stockner, right? Like, I mean, that's just pretty general. So we'll see, but I think, I think both players have upside, but they're, they're very, specific towards what role they need to play at the next level we've got the closeout show for the tight end group coming tomorrow morning on friday stay tuned for that alex will be joining us as always at joe DeLeon at rise and draft hack city on youtube and also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and also follow at nfl prospects pod for the rest of your week folks we will be back with more tight end talk For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.